that's one of the issues. I think I think the thing that um, uh, impacts on people with disabilities also is the issue around um, uh, around the definition of a terminal illness and you know at what point does a terminal illness become a disability? At what point does a disability cease to be a disability and become a terminal illness? Those are issues that are really very difficult to quantify as to exactly where the the dividing line is between those two issues. So, you know, if even if you took it on on a, on a more personal basis, in my own case, um, my heart attack and my cancer, which I had. Uh, four years ago uh, in quick succession were expected to kill me and weren't ex- I wasn't expected to survive longer than about uh, three or four uh, months at most. And yet here I am four and a half years later, um, comfortably talking about it and in the you know, absolute um, you know, best health that I've been for probably the better part of about 20 years. There are people such as Professor Peter Singer who mm-hmm. actually support um, the killing of people with degenerative conditions even. I mean, is there much yes. pushback against this kind of viewpoint? And are you afraid that views like Singer's might actually end up influencing policy? Look, I have to say I'm, I'm surprised that there isn't a greater level of uh, pushback. And, I, you know, I'm, I've been disappointed by... Uh, the lack of consideration. I know that, uh, unfortunately, when um, high-profile people, and, and, you know, we've had uh, bills here that have been put up by the Greens and then supported publicly by uh, various high-profile commentators who've said, you know, this is the way to go. They haven't really considered the whole concept of disability. They haven't considered those people who have conditions that may be considered that take you out of the terminal illness space into the disability space. So, um, and and unfortunately, I I really think that uh, there are many people who have uh, simply glossed over the the finer detail of the disability type issues that that I've been trying to talk about and people with disabilities have been talking about because um, they've been really focusing very much on the terminal illness and not being even cognizant of the fact that we need to be right across the the fine detail in terms of how we define what is a terminal illness under what circumstances that uh, consent issue can be can be provided and you know there there are issues around consent also that go to uh, people with cognitive conditions for example uh, people who have cognitive disabilities at what point do they lose the capacity to give consent? Um, I, I find that a really difficult exercise to to work through as well. So there are all these conditions and all these issues that have not been really thought through by um, even the lawmakers. And I know when the bill was presented here uh, in Australia for uh, discussion, I looked for some clarification around those issues and there wasn't any there it wasn't it just wasn't considered and and that worries me greatly and i i would have expected a much greater pushback but um the only ones who've really been um, conducting any any sort of a pushback have been people with disabilities who uh for whom this is a reality for whom this is a real consideration that their lives could well be terminated because it falls under the definition of uh, 
a condition that is going to shorten their lifespan in some fashion. It seems quite surprising that if there is a really robust community of people um, discussing mm. this issue, people who actually have disabilities and, and want to advocate for the rights of other people with disabilities, if, if these groups um, and individuals are really out there talking about this and, and you know, um, and, and doing so quite stridently, that they're not being listened to. I mean, is, is there a reason for that? Is it just that politicians are not sort of listening? Um. Look, I think it's a combination of things. I think while on the one hand, we have, uh, it's probably fair to say that uh, the disability communities are probably the uh, most discriminated against in terms of um, the, you know, uh, actually having their views taken into account. Um, in recent times, there has also been uh, some consideration around um, who represents those those communities at the highest level. I mean, uh, in recent times, we've had groups like People with Disabilities Australia, etc., who've taken a very strong stand in this respect, and they've been able to communicate with the media very effectively uh, with, uh, with to put their point of view. Prior to the time that uh, the, the most recent president was there, um, we really didn't have a strong voice at the disability community level. Now, I think if we can harness the uh, the, the talents, the media talents of someone like uh, Graham Innes, who, you know, the former disability discrimination uh, commissioner, uh, to advocate for us in this respect, I think it'll be a much stronger voice. But I think that that has been the major issue. It has been the fact that a lot of the disability groups are also very disparate groups who represent individual diagnostic disabilities and not all diagnostic disabilities will fall for consideration under this issue. Some will fall for consideration much more than others, and for them it's a much greater issue. So that's been the problem. There hasn't been the one strong voice, and I think that that's something that we need to try and develop um, and to, to come back to the issue of uh, people making decisions, uh, you know, people with disabilities making decisions in respect of themselves and being able to advocate for themselves effectively as well. When it comes to people who are underage, do you think mm -hmm. that the option of euthanasia should be essentially abandoned until they can consent as adults? Yeah, without question. You know, I, I have a huge difficulty in trying to ascertain um, whose wishes are being listened to there. I know in the case of the 14-year-old girl in, in Belgium, um, her mother had also indicated some uh, you know, um, agreeing to acquiescence with the, with the desires. But I just think that at age 14, uh, and in fact, you know, even at 18, I would question the capacity of some people to be making those sorts of decisions. You know, these are, these are uh, horrendously uh, final decisions, if you like, and I just question the capacity of someone at the age of 14 to be making that type of decision. I would have found it difficult to make that decision for myself, uh, having considered that whole issue back, you know, four or five years ago, and I was 51, you know, and I, I just found that a really difficult decision to come to terms with as to whether or not my life was going to be finished and, you know, whether it was terminated. And uh, I, I can't imagine what a 14, if it, you know, if someone 
under the age of 18 even is just going to be thinking off at that time. Based on that, I mean, I, I guess I, I can um, I can sense what you, you might think about the yeah. uh, the Jerika Bolin case. This is a 14-year-old girl in the US um, with muscular dystrophy. I mean, she's, yes. she's become quite high profile uh, or her case has become quite high profile in discussing the way that, um, that she wants to actually um, use euthanasia um, to mm-hmm. end her life. I mean, is this something that is a bit of a danger considering that, you know, um, stories like hers can really become quite high profile and, and promote this idea? Look, it's a horrendously difficult, uh, um, uh, I guess, precedent. You know, once once you have someone uh, of that age um, being able to make that decision and to conduct what is a termination of our own life, then what you're going to get into is... Uh, you know, this, uh, at, where do you draw the line is basically the issue that I have difficulty with. If someone with muscular dystrophy um, who may not be in any pain but may be um, having the impact of that condition in, in their capacity to do things, I think that that's a, that is a function of providing the appropriate type of services that accommodate that that uh, incapacity to do something rather than um, actually making it a, a problem for the person with a disability and making the person with a disability the problem rather than the the uh, support services that may exist in the society being the problem uh, that needs to be addressed far more strictly and far more strenuously um, because it, it is you know it just creates this horrendous precedent which is I just don't know where that will end in terms of a dividing line to say these people will be uh, able to access euthanasia and these won't. Where do you draw the line? I just have that huge difficulty in trying to ascertain where that would be the case.